Okay, good morning, Shabbat Tov, good Chodesh. Today's daf is daf Nunhei. Today's shir is Le'ilunishma's Brayna Bas Tuvia Zev and Matisyao Mordechai Ben Yosef. May the Meshomers have an aliyah and may their memory be a blessing. It is also for Rufo Shem of Yitzhak Yehuda, Ben Miriam and Chaychaika Bas Boba Michla. May they have a complete and speedy recovery. Okay, so yesterday's daf started discussing... Um, we started discussing certain arayos and whether they applied both from the mother's side and the father's side. You know that the um, yeah. So that's so we kind of carrying on with that discussion. And um, so then we'll go from the fifth last line of Nun Talam Amud Beis 54b. So you say the Gemara says, What about the following Mishnah? Now it's going to bring a case. I saw Archibald have a very nice uh, diagram. So if you have that diagram, it will be very helpful. Um, but basically. We're going to have a daughter. We're going to have, uh, yeah, um, six parents, three mothers and three fathers. But basically, what happened is the mother married a father. Huh? The case is, yeah, I see that there's a diagram from last time we did it. Or Archgold have quite a nice diagram. But if you had, mm, um, so if you, you had a mother and a father who had a child. Then the father married another woman. So obviously the, the mother died or got divorced. But we say got, me married the other parents out the picture. So the father married someone else. Or I guess if it's wives, he could have multiple wives. And had another child. And then that mother went and married another man, father, and they had a child. Um, till you end up with um, six different, well, yeah, three different mothers and three different fathers. And together they have five children. So it turns out that the first child and the second child are half-siblings from the father. And the second child is half, the second, yeah, so, sorry, and the second and the third child are half-siblings on the mother's side, what's called maternal, um, etc. And then the third child is half-siblings on the uh, the, the third and the fourth child are half-siblings on the father's side, and then the fourth and the fifth child are half-siblings on the mother's side, maternal half-siblings. Um, what's also important to note is that, um, so if you look at child number one and child number three, they're actually not related at all. Child number one and number three don't have their mother's different and their father's different. They share a common half-sibling, but they're not related to all. And so too, child number three and child number five are also not related at all. They don't have the same parents. And then it would be the same. B, uh, uh, child number two and child number four also have different parents. Um, so th- that, that's important to note for the case. So let's see the case inside the Gemara. She says, and the following Mishnah, Omrullah, they said to him, they told him his wife died. So then he went and married her sister. That's a second um, wife. Sorry. So he went and married his wife's sister, her her paternal sister. He was subsequently told that she had died. So he went and married, again, her sister from her mother's side. So not the first one sister, but the second one sister on the mother's side. She died and she went and married. So he was told she died. These are all cases where he was told his wife had died. So he went and married her sister, her paternal sister. 
Me'imo, and also Achoyse Me'imo. And then this fourth wife, he was told this fourth wife died, and he went and married her maternal sister. Now, it turns out that they were all actually alive. He had got false reports. It remarried the sister. Now remember, you're not allowed to marry your wife's sister. So that's what the, the Gomorrah says. Muta berishoyna uveshlishis uvechamishis. He's allowed to marry the first, the third, and the fifth wife. I think Osral label it A, C, and E. Why? Because as we pointed out, granted A and B are paternal, are paternal sisters, A and C are not related at all. So the marriage, when he came along, uh, the, the Gomorrah is going to fill this up, but when he came along and he did Kiddushin to, he did to the second woman, it's an invalid Kiddushin because his wife was actually alive. His wife was, um, it was his wife's paternal sister. So the Kiddushin doesn't take effect. But then the Kiddushin to the third woman does take effect because she's not related to his wife who's actually alive. Well, she's not related at all. The, the, third, the third woman's not related at all to his wife. And then, and then he goes, and then when he did Kiddushin to the fourth, wo- the fir- the fourth one, the sister of wife number three, it's the, it's the maternal sister of wife number three, sorry, no, also the paternal sister, it doesn't take effect because that's the half-sister of the, his second wife, woman number three. And so it doesn't take effect. And then when he does Kiddushin to the third woman, to, sorry, to the... And, sorry, and then his Kiddushin to the fifth sister, the fifth woman, does take effect. Because she's, again, she's a maternal sister of the fourth woman, but remember the Kiddushin to the fourth woman didn't take effect. And he's not related at all to a to woman number one or woman number three. For this halacha, yeah. That's what we're going to bring out. That it doesn't matter whether you're related to her, whether it's your wife's sister from her father, from just her father, or whether your wife's sister just from her mother. But both are forbidden. But that's why, remember, when you try to do kiddushin to someone, you're not allowed at one of the arayas, at least the isukores, it doesn't take effect. So that's why he ends up being married to women A, C, and E, but not... To B and D because those were related to his wife. They also exempt their co-wife. I, if he then dies without children and one of the brothers do chalitza to any of these A, C or E, it would exempt the other two because they're all fully fledged wives. But also however he's not allowed to marry the second or the fourth B or D because um, because they're a sister to his wife, who's actually alive. The NBS Achas member and doing Yibum to one of them would not exempt his Sora. Um, again, if he dies without children, and even though he did Kiddushin to them, remember the Kiddushin didn't take effect. So that's the Halacha. Then it says, What happens if he had relations with the second one? After the first one died, I so the first one actually died. Not to, at first he assumed she died. That's why he went and married the second one. But it turns out that the first, his first wife was actually alive, so he had done kiddushin to his wife's sister, so it didn't take effect. But what happens if she actually died? 
he came on the second one, he had relations with the second one after the first one had died. Muta Bishniu reveals he's allowed to remain married to the second and the fourth one, Uptorot Sorosam, and they would exempt their co-wives. Again, it's the same rule because the, the first one was the one, it's, granted it's his first wife's sister, his first wife is died. You're allowed to marry your wife's sister after your wife dies. So that's why the Kiddushin to wife number B takes effect. But then Kiddushin to wife number C doesn't take effect because he's married to her maternal sister. And then we know it's Kiddushin to D that does take effect because granted D is related to C. C, the Kiddushin to C didn't take effect. And he's not, and she's not related to B, etc. Uptarishiva also b'shlishis v'chamishis he'd be also to the third and the fifth one. Alma, what do we see from here? This is what the Gemara wants to bring out. So even if you didn't get the case clear, this is what it brings out. Achos ishto, his wife's sister, bein minav, bein minaim, whether it's his wife's sister because they share a father, their heart, or his wife's sister because they share a, share a mother. Asuros. He is not allowed to marry them. That's the erva. As we'll see, some, I mean, this is what we're going to go into now, but um, some of the arayos only apply on either the father's side or the mother's side, and some of the arayos apply on both sides. So we're saying this isur only apply, applies to both sides, whether it's your sister because you share a mother or your sister because you share a father. Now he says, Minalan, what's the source? He says, Yalif Ma'achosa, learn out from his actual sister. Again, a man's not allowed to marry his sister. And he says, Ma'achosa, Bain Mina Av, Bain Mina Aim, Afkan, Bain Mina Av, Bain Mina Aim. So just as his sister, he's not allowed to marry his half sister from his mother's side or his half sister from his mother's side, so too he would not be allowed to marry his wife's half sister from the mother or the father's side. Ah, Valelif Midodah. So one would rather learn it from his aunt. Now, aunt is, here where we translate it as a general rule of aunt, it's not the, um, here, Doidoso means his father's brother's wife or his mother's brother's wife. Not, we would call even your parents' sisters your aunt, but here, Doidoso, what Doidoso means is your parents' brother's wife. So, so he says, we should rather learn from just as only your aunt on your father, your daughter on your father's side is also, but not on your mother's side. I only your father's brother's wife is also, but not your mother's brother's wife. So we should say the same thing here. Again, we want to say, so we start. We, we, we're trying to work out how do we know that your wife's half-sister is also whether it's a paternal half-sister or a maternal half-sister from her father's side or her mother's side. And we brought a proof from, well, your sister makes no difference. So, so in that case, it makes no difference. It's oh, but maybe it's more similar. Maybe it's like your aunt, which, which does make a difference. So Morris says, You should it makes more sense to learn it from your sister because... It's your relative from your relative. Uh, why is she, she's also to you because you married someone. She, you created the Isur. Unlike your Doida is also to you because your father's brother married someone. Uh, someone else married someone, therefore she becomes also to you. That's, more, that's less similar than your sister and this woman who became also because of your marriage. There's other Abba. On the contrary, the the bar, uh, 
Well, actually, there's an aspect of doida that is more similar, and we should rather learn from there, because it is created through marriage by the fact that your father, your uncle married someone, she becomes your daughter. She's also to you. So to hear, by the fact that you marry this woman, her sisters become also. So maybe that's more similar than saying, well, the, the issue was created from you. It's because of your you, your marriage to your wife as opposed to his wife, um, your father's brother's wife. So it should be more similar. So we can't actually learn it from there. Learn it from your brother's wife. We're going to see your father has both these factors. It comes through Kiddushin and it is your relative. I, your, your brother's wife, she's also to you um, because your brother married you, her. I have a very close relative. I think that's what it's saying. She's a very close relative. And also what creates the issue of Eishesach? Kiddushin. But if your brother would never have married her, you could have married her. But the fact your brother married her, she becomes forbidden to you. So it's, so it's, it's both of those. And therefore, um, again, back to remember, we were discussing your wife's sister. Again, it's both. It's create, she's a close relative because she's a relative of your wife. And this that she becomes also to you is created through Kiddushin because you married her wife. So that's the that's the source. Then it says, So so again, our question, what we were trying to prove is that your wife's sister is also, whether it's your wife's half-sister on the mother's side or father's side. It says, How do we know Eishesach itself? I, we said it should be the same as Eishesach, just as Eishesach, your, your brother's wife. Now, maybe it's only your brother, your half-brother from your father. Who says it's also your half-brother from your mother? Okay? The Tanya, as we learned in Abraisa, we learned um, the, the Pasuk says, the erva of, the, of your brother's wife, you're not allowed to uncover, which teaches us both from the father, whether it's a half brother from the father or a half brother from the mother. You're not allowed to marry his wife. You telling me it's only from the uh, it's either one, maybe it's only a half brother from the other, not the aim from the father and not the mother. But din who? No, it's not logical to that. It says No, it's logical. Just as by your sister, you liable whether it's your sister, whether it's your half sister on your father's side or your half sister on your mother's side, you liable. You're not allowed to. She's also to you. So too with your brother and his wife, it makes no difference which side it is. Oh, but wait, you could learn it the other way around. It says, You're liable here, your brother's wife is forbidden to you. You're also liable because your dodoso, your father's brother's wife, is also to you. Just as dodoso is only on the father's side and not on the mother's side, so to here, by your brother's wife, maybe it's only paternal brothers and not maternal brothers' wives. So the Gomorrah says, no, okay, let's try to see which one it's more similar to. Similar to. Again, um, so don in krovei atmo mi krovei atmo, v'al tokiach doidosh she krovei av. 
learn out your relatives from your relatives. I, your brother is a close relative and his wife, so rather learn that from um, your sister, which is a close relative, then from your father's brother, which is your father's close relative. Says, but wait, we can actually learn it the other way around. Rather learn something that comes through, that the erva is created through marriage, than something that is not created through Kiddushin. Now, just to highlight this distinction, whereas your sister comes by itself, it's automatically, nothing has to be done for your sister to be also to you. Uh, just to highlight this distinction, um, the one is where, well, the first distinction was, or the first comparison was based on, what's a close relative? So your brother's wife is a very close relative. Your father's brother's wife, okay, not such a close relative. But on the other hand, some arayos are just natural, or almost just automatic, automatic. Your mother, your sister, your children, that's, they automatically become your erva. Whereas some arayos are created through marriage. So maybe we should compare an erva created through marriage to another erva created through marriage. It's more similar to the dos, which is only on the father's side. So Talmud Loimar, ervas achicha hi. The Torah adds in an extra pasuk, ervas achicha hi, bein mina av, bein mina aim. Just to bring it out, what, what do we mean the extra pasuk? So the pasuk, so listen to this pasuk, it sounds quite repetitive. It says, ervas eishes achicha loitegale. You're not allowed to uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. Ervas achicha hi, she is the nakedness of your brother. I. It sounds, very, it sounds to be telling us twice in the same pasuk that you're not allowed to be with your brother's wife. You're not allowed to marry your brother's wife. So, so that's so the second pasuk. So the, so the second pasuk is to come and tell us it's also for your... It's not only are you also to your brother's wife on your father's side, you're also also to your brother's wife on your mother's side. Um, but now we're going to actually say no the second we're going to need the second part of the pasuk for a different drasha but maybe we can say both phrases in the pasuk are referring to your your brother's wife on your father's side your half brother on your father's side and one is to say you can't marry her again even after divorce if she has sons and you can't marry her even after divorce if there are no children I, unlike, unlike Yibum remember this is if uh, we, your brother's wife is very different from the aspect that when if your brother dies without children, then there's the mitzvah of Yibum. In all other cases, she should be also. Now, you might have thought that if your brother divorces her, why can't you marry her? So that's why we need two parts of the pasuk. The first part is to tell us that whether, or the, yeah, the two parts of the pasuk are to tell us whether or not they have children. If he divorces her, you're still not allowed to marry her. You'd never be allowed to marry her. So therefore, we need both parts of the pasuk for, pasuk for that. Says so the Gemara says, "No, ain't no bonim b'chayav b'alamid Rav Huna nafka." This that it says, if she doesn't have children in the life of her husband, we actually learn out from Rav Huna that was in yesterday's daf. He taught that why does it say nida ba'ishesach? 
It uses, in the Pasuk that's teaching about Aisha Sach, it uses a strange word, it's like she's a nida. It says, no, just as a nida sometimes becomes permitted, so to Aisha Sach becomes permitted. But Aisha Sach only becomes permitted where your brother dies without children. I, where you get, where your brother divorces her, she never becomes permitted. So we already know that your brother's wife, who was divorced from your brother, never becomes permitted. Of, so, so, so we do have the second part of the Pasuk spare. And we can learn out also your, your maternal brother's wife. It says, no, not necessarily. It says, no. So maybe you're right. We don't need to be taught the case where they got divorced. Um, without children, that we know from Rav Huna's drosha. But what happens if they got divorced with children? And a second scenario, what happens if he died with children? We need to be told in both those cases that it's awesome. Says no, we don't need a special pasuk to tell us that if she dies without with children, yeah, sorry, let me rephrase this. We don't need a special pasuk to tell us that if she dies with, if he dies with children, you can't you can't marry her because there's a special pasuk, either mitzvah of yibum that comes and tells us if she dies without children, you do yibum, implying that if she dies with. Sorry, if she die, if he dies, sorry, if he dies, if your brother dies without children, you do yibum, implying that if your brother died with children, it is also to do yibum. So I don't need a special pasuk to tell me if your brother dies without children. Isn't it obvious, uh, all I was a little bit also confused why the Pasuk seems to reiterate these points when they seem yeah, almost intuitive. But I think, you can yeah, do you your brother's wife. Because she falls into because yeah. he hasn't got children. Yeah. So I, I think that the point there, it, see, it seems, and I, I, was, I was also a little bit bothered. It took me a long time to do this piece because it sounds like it's excluding obvious examples. Um, yeah. But I think for you, there's, there could, it could be that maybe your brother's wife is only Osir while they married, without coming on to Yibun. We bring in Yibun later. Mm. But maybe she's only Osir to your brother while they married. And we also find elsewhere that if, you, if a person has children, then there's almost an eternal bond, even after they divorced. So that's why I think maybe if they got divorced, you need to be taught both times whether or not they have children, she remains also to you. Because you might have thought that it falls away. She's not your, if they got divorced, she's not your brother's wife anymore. But doesn't the Zika only come into play once... Uh, well, I mean, once that's all... Does, you can't have a Zika if... Yeah. He's still alive, yeah. with his wife. Yeah, but what happens if he's alive, but he's divorced his wife? No, so it's what I'm saying, but you're coming back to Yibum. Mm. Remember, Yibum yeah. is built on that there is already an Isra Eishesach. There is an Erva. We're now, once, we're behind that. We're, we're, we're higher up on the calculation process, that's already down here knowing that you're not allowed to ever 
you're never, ever, ever allowed to be with Aishafach, except in the case of Yibam. We're still trying to work out this that we said, there's an Isur Aishafach, when does that apply? You see that? So we're, we're not there yet. And the other important point is, remember, we're speaking about Aishafach, we're all trying to find out your brother's wife on your mother's side, where there's never Yibum, as we're going to point out. Remember, you only do Yibum with your father, with the brother on your father's side. So that's so that's what I'm saying. I think I think it's, it is confusing because it sounds like they're very obvious and intuitive that why would you think to make a distinction? But I guess we can assume um, we can almost let's take it from the perspective of it should be permitted unless you can prove to me that it's awesome. So once my brother divorces her, why can't I marry her? Even divorces, it doesn't also the, her family is still also at the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so you're saying that the divorce, the, the, yeah. So, the, so there are sources that the divorce, that they, that they arise stay when they're married. But I guess maybe we need to learn that out still. I'm not sure. Yeah, good question. I, don't, I, I did. I was also bothered a little bit by that. It, that it's, uh, it does seem to be trying to learn out points that would be taken for granted, that are obvious. Um, another important point just when discussing these is, remember, to learn out something that's also in the Torah, you need to show me where it's written in the, where it's alluded, written or hinted to through a drosh in the Torah that it's also. And then when you have another possible for the punishment, you can't just say, well, if that case is Kores, therefore the other case is Kores. You have to have it very clear in the Chumash that it's including it in the Isur. So maybe that's another reason. But, yeah, fair question. I'm not sure. Um, he says, No, perhaps. There's this that we said by Yibum. You can do Yibum if your brother dies without children. Now remember, we wanted to say, you can do Yibum if your brother dies without children. Therefore, if he dies with children, she is also... You're going to say that's not conclusive. He says, Excuse me, He says, No. Maybe this, that if he doesn't have children, that's where she's permitted to him, but forbidden to the rest of the world. Uh, well, yeah, the Gemara says the other way. Maybe where. Where he dies without children, that's where she's permitted to the Yavam and forbidden to the rest of the world. Where she dies with children, maybe he's, she is permitted to both the Yavam and the rest of the world. She can choose who she wants to marry. It says, Inami, another issue with that deduction. He says, mitzvah, Maybe if there are no children, then it's a mitzvah to do Yavam. And if there are children... If your brother died with children, then you can choose whether you want to do Yibum. It's not a mitzvah, but it's not asur. Inami, another weakness with that argument, says, Ein lo bonim, im. If she doesn't have children, she can do Yibum. Yesh lo bonim, if she does have children, lo, she can't do Yibum. Belav habo michlal asay, asay. And it's actually a negative commandment that's learned out from a positive commandment. I wise that, because it's saying that um, the positive commandment is do yibum. We learning out from that is you can you we learning out the negative commandment where there are children you can't do yibum. 
but a negative commandment learned out from an inference of a positive commandment. I, we're taking the positive commandment and working out what you're not allowed to do. I mean, the fact that it says, if he does not have children, you do yibum, we're working out that, oh, if he does have children, you are not allowed to yibum. That's considered a positive commandment. So here, so maybe this last part of the Pasuk is actually coming for a negative commandment. All these reasons reject our initial thought. Again, we wanted to say, but the fact that Yibum, you do Yibum when there are no children, it must be it's forbidden to do Yibum when there are children, which is not true. Maybe it means it's optional when there are children. Or maybe it means that she's mutar to everyone when there are children, but also the Yibum. Or maybe it's just a positive commandment and we need a negative commandment. So we're back to where we started that, again, this pasuk, we want, we're still struggling. We started off with the question, where do we see that the wife of your maternal half-brother is forbidden to you? So we said there's a spare pasuk. It says, That's unnecessary. She's a nakedness of your brother. So that's coming to include your mother's brother, your, your, your maternal brother's wife. But now we're just saying, no, we actually need that pasuk to teach us Halachas to do with when that your brother's wife is also your father your your paternal brother's wife is also in all cases unless it's the case of Yibum. So we need that second part of the pasuk. So the Gemara says no kosuk rachrin and there's actually another pasuk. Ervos achiv gila the nakedness of your brother you uncovered. I so the Torah says elsewhere. Again, this is the pasuk. Kikol asher yasem kikol atovos ayelu v'nichresu. I know this is, sorry, wrong one. Um, wrong man. Yeah. So it comes out, we've got these three phrases. Well, or two main phrases. We've got Evash Aisha Sachicha, Loisegale, Evash Sachicha He. We've now got this. And now we've got a third pasuk of Evash Achiv Gila. So Evash Achois Achicha, the first part of the first pasuk we discussed teaches her that she's forbidden even after divorce. She remains an erva to her brothers. Ah, your brother's wife is also to you even after divorce. That's the first posuk. Then we had, remember the extra phrase the other posuk teaches, it says why does it say nida by your brother's wife to teach that? If they die with children she remains also to you. And now we've got this third posuk because Ervos Achiv Gila is to teach, sorry, that's to teach, sorry, even if he does not have children, divorce, and he divorces his wife, she would be also to you. And then this third Pasuk is to teach, even if he dies with children, she's also to you. So this part, this phrase of the Pasuk that we started off this discussion with of Ervos Achichahi is spare. And now we can use it to teach. Not only is your paternal brother also to you, but also your maternal brother's wife is also to you. Um, sorry, oh, well then, maybe just as your, your maternal brother's wife, after his death, she becomes permitted in a case of Yibum. So to your maternal brother's wife becomes permitted in a case of Yibum. So he says, no, Omakrohi, the Pasuk says he. Bevyosa Tahe, she remains as she is. I, the second part of the Pasuk says, Ervos Ochicho, he, she is the nakedness of your brother, but that extra he, that extra she is, teaches us she remains as your, as this Isur Eishesach, 
even in a case of Yibum. Okay, we have actually seen another source for that, but let's go on. So, so just in, in short, what we've come out is that your brother's wife, doesn't matter whether it's your half-brother on your mother's side or your half-brother, or your half-brother on your father's side or your half-brother on your mother's side, they are also to you, why do we need all these extra references to teach us that of your wife's brother, your, your brother on your father's side, his wife is also to you, um, it seems that, that, that we were discussed, that's what most of these took him are coming to include, because maybe you thought after divorce that ever doesn't apply. There seems also about this, maybe Yibum implies that there is a leniency, so we're going to see how far could that leniency go. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Um, now it says, the Torah says, um, by the Arayos, when it teaches the Arayos, it says, at the end it says, anyone who does any of these abominations, and you shall cut off, those those souls shall be cut off. I, if anyone who does any of these gets kores. So, so now we have a general postage that tells us all the arayas are kores. So now the Torah says, So why when it's teaching your sister, does it also say, um, does it say chorus? We already know there's chorus. So what's it adding by telling us if someone's intimate with their sister that they get chorus? We already know that. So it says, no, look at Rabbi Yochanan. This is coming to teach Rabbi Yochanan's drasha. To Omar, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, awesome kulam achas, al achas achas. Rabbi Yochanan teaches that if he transgresses multiple arayos in one lapse of awareness, he is He's high of a separate chattas for each one. Very often we say, if someone does one avera with, um, that's high of multiple chattas, let's say he, eats chay, he drinks blood, eats blood, and then he f- still doesn't know that it's osir and he carries on eating it. And then a few minutes later, without realizing, he carries on eating it. So they would only be liable to one chattas. So by the fact that it lumps all the arayas together and says you get chattas for them, you might have thought if a man, again, in a lapse of, a, of awareness... He somehow thinks it's alright and he transgresses multiple arayos. He's with his mother, his sister, his aunt, his, uh, his brother's wife, etc. You might have thought for all of them he should only be kind of one chattas. Because he did it in all one lapse of awareness. He thought they were all permitted to him for whatever. So he says, Chayev, so Rabbi Yochanan says it, adds in kores ba'achas, ba'achoiso, by his sister to say, just as his sister singled out that you get kores, so you'll get chorus for any of the cases. What about Rabbi Yitzchak? Rabbi Yitzchak uses that posuk, as we'll see, for a different drosha. He uses that posuk to say, um, it's an interesting discussion. What if you warn, if someone's about to do an avera and you warn them, then they, and say, you know, you might get chorus, um, then you'll get chorus. But what happens if he's doing something that's isu chorus and you warn him that he might get malchus? You don't make it as, ser- as serious as it is. Does he get Malchus. So Rabbi Yitzchel, Rabbi Yitzchak to Omar Kol Chavei Krisus Bechlal Ho Yuvelam Yotos Kores Bachoisel Adinim Bechoresel Ama Malchus. Rabbi Yitzchak says all of the Arayos were Isu Kores as we brought from that pasuk that lumps them all together, that ties them all together. But so why does it single out and say that there's Kores Bachoisel to say that you only get Kores and not Malchus? I he uses it. He's used up that Kores Bachoisel to teach us the drasha that you can only if someone warns some if two Adam say you know if you um, sleep with her you're going to get Malchus. He says they don't get Malchus because 
the Isur is, you're going to, they should have been warned, you're going to get kares. Guess make it seem as serious as it is. So where does Rabbi Yitzchak learn that if you transgress multiple arayos, you should bring, by mistake, you should bring multiple korban chatois? Says, he says, learn it out from the Pasuk. says, a woman who is a nida. It doesn't have to say a woman. Just say one who... Uh, a nida, and we know a nida must be a woman. So he says, "Lachav, I'll call Ishavish to tell us that you're liable for each one individually." Now the Gemara says, "New point." Also, the cause of Lorachmona, Arimi, you, you, Lamali. Again, we're building this all on that discussion that we've lumped, we've tied together all the rights that says anyone who does any of these abominations will get kores. And now we're going to see. So why did it single out kores by a select few? So we've seen why does it single out kores by Choisa, according to Rebbeochran, to say that you're liable. If in one lapse of awareness you'd be liable, still be liable, separate korban chata'ois for each each of the arayos. Um, one second, Rabbi Yitzchak said that no, it's coming to teach that you're liable, um, that you would only be liable for kores and not malchus. Yes? Can you just clarify this uh, lack of awareness thing? Yeah. Does he, does he get off the hook if it's a lack of awareness? No, so he has to bring... Uh, by not getting colors, then he, then he just gets... Yeah, so remember, if someone does a, a vera that is liable to kores, b'shoigeg, by mistake, what does it mean, b'shoigeg? Uh, he either thinks it's permitted, uh, let's say he thinks it's his wife, and it turns out to be his brother's wife. Yeah. Thinks it's his wife, turns out to be... His sister, you know, something like that. That would be one, or so he, or the other option is he doesn't know that that is one of the arayos. He knows it's his brother's wife, but he thinks that's oh, after divorce you're allowed to be with your brother's wife, you know, something like that. So he. What's the lack of awareness? So, so the lack of awareness is, let's say he would transgress adultery Mm. by mistake, and then he would become aware. Oh wait, that's not my wife. That's someone else's wife. And so he would be aware that he'd done the vera, and then he'd forget again or get confused again and commit adultery again. That's two separate lapses of awareness. But does it have different consequences? Yeah, so by the fact, if it's two two lapses in awareness, two separate realizations, then he'd have to bring two common chatos. If it's one um, lapse of awareness then he'd only bring one chattis, even if he did it multiple times. Yeah, he won't get courage. Because it was done in a, during a lapse of awareness. Just to take it back to Shabbos, which is just a little bit easier to... You think it's Sunday. Mm-hmm. Or... No, you, you heard you're not allowed to cook on Shabbos. You thought, okay, I'm allowed to fry. So you fried an egg for breakfast, and you cr- fried an egg for lunch. That was all in the one mistake, thinking that you're allowed to fry. So there you would only be liable to one chattis. What happens if he forgot it was Shabbos and he fried an egg? And then he goes, oh wait, it's Shabbos, I should not have fried that egg. And then by lunchtime he forgets again and he fries another egg. See, that's two separate shoigegs, that's two separate laps of awareness. So there he would be liable to two separate korban chatois. Again, since it was all done in a lapse of awareness, he's not going to be chav kores, he has to bring a korban chatois. That, does that clarify laps of awareness? It, it yeah. does, but, it, but it, when your example of like the, the egg, it's, uh, so it's, uh, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay so when it comes to 
to being with his sister. Well, Maybe again, that's not as forgiving as. Uh, as uh, I mean, Shabbos is a Issus killer. Shabbos is as serious as Shabbos is Issus killer. I know, I know what you're saying. It is. It does seem to be worse in a way, but Shabbos is Issus killer. So it is very, in a, in a way, it, it, in some aspects, it is just as bad. I think the harder thing to is like, how do you make such a mistake? But. Uh, he did. Some, somehow he made that mistake. Um, okay. Ariri means childless, but it's also an allusion to Kores. So if someone's with their father's brother's wife, their uncle's wife, he, it says, he will get Kores. I says, so Lamali, why does it have to say Kores there? We already know that you get Kores for all the arises. No, look at Rabba. For Rabba's teaching, to Rabba, Ramik Sev Rabba raised the contradiction. It says, Ariri you I... Kores will make them become childless. I, his children will die. Look, see if Aririm Yomoisu, but another pasuk says he will die childless. I, not that he, his children will die, but that he will die without children. This whole So how do you resolve it? Does Kores make one's children die off, or does it just make it that they won't have any children? It says Yeish Koivrim Hariri. Now what it's teaching is that if he, that person has children, he will end up burying them. If he does not have children, he will he will end up childless. And we need both. One, you can't learn one from the other by teaching us that he will become childless or that he will die childless. You might have thought it can only affect the children that he had before sinning. But after sinning, it won't affect those children. Maybe Children that he had before transgressing the Abayra could die because of Kores, but his children after the Abayra could not. So there's all cause of Rahman Aririm Yomusu. No, they can even die with children. And if it would have just said Aririm Yomusu, I would have thought that maybe only Kores can only affect children born of affect his life after his sin. But not before. Therefore, Trich, we need both. To say that when a person is deserving of Kores, it can affect children that he's already had and make sure that he dies childless, he won't have surviving children. No, um, quite a serious. It's, there's a whole uh, discussion that you have to tie this in because we generally say a, sin, a child is not punished for the sins of their father, etc. So how, um, how do you tie that in with us? But that, that is one of the scary things of Korites, is it can cause someone to bury their children. Um, okay, new point. Um, this whole discussion started with proving that one is higher for the Arayos, for the, if he just does Ha'ara. Ha'ara is the initial stage, just starting um, beer. We'll see over the page a more clearer definition of what it actually is. What do we mean by just the beginning stage? But again, we said by all, so this whole piece came up by the way, proving that one is liable for transgressing Arayos if he just does Ha'ara, if he just does the beginning stage. So that's what, so the Mo says, Ha'ara, the Chavilav in Milan. So where do we know that there's also Ha'ara for just negative commandments? I, for example, if someone does, so, so you don't have, a person doesn't have to complete um, the relations with their sister, brother's wife, adultery, all those cases of Arayos, just doing Ha'ara, he would be Chayav, just starting. But the negative commandments, I don't marry a mamzer, etc., how do we know, even those which are much less severe, you're liable as soon as there's, 
um, as soon as there's Ha'oraz, just at the beginning stage. By the fact that the Torah says it's the Isur of Shifchat Zerah, a proper beer is also by Shifcha Harufa. I'll explain what that soon, which is only a negative commandment. That implies that Chavelavim are just with Ha'oraz. By the fact that there's a negative love, it's, it's negative to be with the Shifcha Harufa, it's a negative commandment. And the Torah there specifies only Shifchat Zerah if you conclude the act. Implying that all other negative commandments, you would be liable even without concluding the act, just with Ha'ara. So Gemara says, no, but maybe by the fact that the Torah taught us that you hire for the Arayos with just Ha'ara, therefore for regular negative commandments, you should only be liable if there's Gemar Bia, proper Bia. Says Omar let the Torah not mention anything by Shifcha Harufa. I, I would know if it was silent, I would say, oh, by the most severe Averas, you liable with just Ta'ora. Second Ta'ora, just regular negative commandments, you only have if you complete the act. Then, but then why does the Torah specify by Shifcha Harufa, which is only a negative commandment, this is the second tier, that you liable only if you complete the act? Must be all other negative commandments reliable with just her aura. So that's how we're learning. What is the Shifcha Harufa? Very interesting case. Um, it's a Machloi case, but Rashi here explains it. Like the one opinion is um, it's forbidden for a man, for a Jew to be with a slave, except, uh, except a Jew who based him, sell him as a slave. I, he stole from someone and he can't, he can't afford to pay it back. So based in sell him into slavery to another Jew to pay him back. He, that Jew, can have the slave be with his maids, that Jewish slave be with his maidservants, because then he gets more slave children. Um, so that's, that's the Shifra Harufa. And it's not, and generally, so it's a negative commandment for, so if someone else is intimate with that Shifra Harufa, now remember, there can't be marriage between this Jewish slave and this non-Jewish slave. But there is some sort of bond that the Torah says he has to bring a... If someone else commits, I don't know, this, let's put it in inverted commas, adultery, he would have to bring a Oshom, a special korban. But again, it's a, that case, to bring the Oshom is only if it's a Gemar Bia. But all other negative commandments, you'd be liable even if there's just Ha'ara. Now we go one step down to... And ha'ora the chayve lavin the kuhuna minalan. How do we know that there's ha'ora even by the chayve lavim of kuhuna? The negative commandments that are unique to kohanim, which are obviously not as strict because they only apply to kohanim and not regular Jews. For example, a kohen not allowed to marry a divorced woman. So how do you know that he would be liable for being, or how do we know he'd be liable for being with a divorced woman if they just did ha'ora? The starting point says asya kicha kicha. They learn out as exayra shavav kicha kicha. It says kicha by and then it also says, it says, um, a kohen is not allowed to take, so it says, so it says, Positive commandments, how do we know that? Now, chayva asin is interesting. Again, remember, what's a chayva asin? It's something you're not allowed to do because of a, we learn out from a positive. So the positive tells us, for example, by a mitri, it says, do shlishi lo yavo. Um, yeah. It says, 
only sorry Bonim Ashe A third generation from a Mitzri convert can marry into the Jewish congregation. I'm implying that the first two generations cannot marry into the Jewish congregation. So we see there's a negative commandment learned out from the positive. From the positive, by the fact that it says third generation can, we learn out the first two can't. So that's a chayva asin, that's a, a lie to Isu. So where do we know that from? It says, I see a beer, beer. We learn it out. It's a between beer. It says, uh, And lo yovo, mamzer bichalashem, and mamzer is not allowed to come. Lo yovo bichalashem. So beer, beer teaches us that it's just with the aura. So again, so where are we holding at the moment? All these isurim, whether whatever level of isur it is, you're liable with just heora. As soon as there's the initial stage is forbidden. It says, How do you know that a yavoma transgresses um, marrying someone else? She, remember, a yavoma has to do either yibum or chalitza. It's forbidden for her to be with um, someone, another, not one of her brother in laws. Um, to anyone else's. So Gemara says, well, what's the question? According to the one who says it's a negative commandment, it's a negative commandment. And if you want to tell me it's according to the opinion that it's a positive commandment, I, we learn out that she must be to the Yavon, so she's not allowed to be to someone else. It's a positive commandment. Well, Asa, and we've seen both of them, you transgress with the aura. So, so what's it asking? You know, it says, How do we know that it counts as Yavon as soon as there's her aura? That's the question that the Gemara is asking. Again, we know that he has to be intimate for it to count as beer. How do we know that that is as soon as it is? Ha'ara. Let's just see a few more. So the Gemara answers, I see beer, beer. Again, it says beer, but this word beer, but both of them, which as we know, refers to just ha'ara. It says, then, how do you know that a man, and she becomes a wife, I kiddushin through beer takes effect. With just heora, so I see a kicha kicha. Again, it's exactly shabbat kicha kicha, and we know kicha bar is just heora elsewhere. So kicha yeah, so tia means. Now, Omar Rav Lamid in the Chos of Rachmana, why do I need the pasuk to write shivchat zera b'shivchat charufa, shivchat zera b'aishesis, and shivchat zera b'soita? Why does the Torah come along and write that? Again, remember we've said that in all cases one transgresses the isra in the Torah, whether it's Isukores, a lav, a chayve asay, all these cases, it all it transgressed with heora. But there are three places where the Torah mentions shifchat zera, um, which implies that it, that zera came, that they completed the act. That she was. Uh, um, so, so the first question he asks is by. Shivcha Harufa, why does it mention that? Um, and Shivcha Zerba Aishasish. Now, we know that a man would transgress adultery even if there's just Ha'ara. So, why does it mention Shivcha Zerba? And similarly, if a man warns his wife, well, we'll see exactly what it is, but by a soita, she becomes Osir to her husband with just Ha'ara. So, why does it mention Shivcha Zerba? Shivchat Zerah implies completion of the act. So 
the Shivcha Charufa Kedo Omram. So why it says it by Shivcha Charufa, as we said, remember we said Shivcha Charufa is different, that he's only liable for the Korban Osham if, he, if they completed the act. Unlike all the other cases where it's just Ta'ara. Da'isha says, says Prot That's coming to exclude a man who is intimate with a woman um, while he was, his organ was limp. Arayos Potur. Okay, that's all very well to say. It's coming to the, according to the opinion that if he has intercourse while limp, he's exempt. But if according to the opinion who says he's Chayav, it can't be coming to exclude that. Rava holds that a man, a woman's only able to become pregnant if the man was erect at the time. And that's why it says Shiv Chazer to say that he's only Chayv if he was erect. But again, only for Ha'ara. But according to the opinion that he'd be Chayv even if he wasn't erect, well then he should, what's it coming to teach us? No, coming to exclude a man who slept with a woman who had died. I, you had a married woman who died and this man went and had relations with her. We see that even after death she's called the relative. By a coin, it says a coin is allowed to bury his wife because she's his relative. Aye, she's dead and it's still calling her his relative. So maybe a man who sleeps with this woman who's dead, it says if he transgressed adultery, so she should transgress adultery. And it comes to teach, no, she has to be able, she has to be alive. Now, the soita lamali, why does it have to teach us soita and adulteress? Says, look at the Tanya, to exclude anything else. Oh, my what do you mean by anything else? So, we know for a soita to become forbidden to her husband, what happens? The husband gets suspicious of her being with this, getting too friendly with this other man. So, what does he say? He says, I, I warn you, that's the kina. He says, I warn you not to go into seclusion with him. What happens if he warns her? Rashi says, Ah, because that's what everyone suspected them of doing. He warns her specifically, I don't want you to be with that man in an unnatural way. And he's like almost not concerned that they're having a regular intercourse. He says, I don't want you to be with her in an unnatural way. So, so Rav Shesha says, That would be. Um, that's why I mean, Shifrat Zera, it doesn't count as a warning. The warning has to be a blanket warning. I don't want you to be with that man in any way. Not just specific to in an unnatural way. But it says, Mishkave Isha, any way that he is with that woman, any way that he's intimate, she would become a soita. So that should be a valid warning. So, Rava says it's coming to exclude her when he warns her from being affectionate in other ways. I... Not that they actually have intercourse, but uh, they rub each other and touch each other and play with each other in other ways. That's derech uh, evarim. That's what Robert says. If the husband just warns us, says, I don't want you to be um, intimate in other ways besides intercourse, Robert says that's what would not be, that would not be a valid um, warning because the warning has to be, I don't want you to have intercourse with that man. It says, What, the Torah is just coming to forbid licentiousness? No, we only really, the Torah would only forbid it to her husband if there was actually, actual adultery. Not just this uh, affection with another man. Okay, it's a high level of affection, but not that. So, That's where he warned her not to do neshika. Now, neshika literally means kissing, but here what it means is touching of privates. Says, now we 
now this is coming back to what's Sa'ara. This is all very well according to the opinions that... So, so, so wait, so Abai is saying, for the, I mean, definitely it's wrong, but for a man just to um, do other forms of intimacy with a woman, just not, not intercourse, like touching and uh, feeling, etc., that would, Abai is saying, a Torah wouldn't count that as a warning. As a, as a valid warning. That's not adultery. It's problematic, but it's not adultery. So Abai says, what is adultery? Meshika, when they touch their privates. Now he says, that depends on um, how you view her aura. Because we're going to say there's two opinions. What's this? As we touched on, we said that all our eyes kick in with her aura. Now one opinion says her aura is the beginning of the insertion. Whereas the other opinion says her aura is just touching the private. So, so what Abaya says is very that Nishikif makes sense is This fits in well with the opinion that what's her aura? Um, inserting the corona. But according to the opinion that just um, pressing their privates together is her aura, Michael Amar, how are you going to explain it? Again, according if a man and a woman would touch their privates together, according to the to one opinion, that's already full of, full adultery. So how can a buyer come along and say, if a husband warns his wife not to do that, then it's a dis- then you would have then it's not a valid warning. That's actual adultery according to some opinions. So you have to go back to Robert's chat, that it's where he warned her from being again um, intimate with a woman. Other acts of intimacy that do not involve intercourse. Oh, but didn't we say that's obviously not considered adultery? There's no itzri salkadaitos bikpayde the bal tolerachmona v'halko kopit kamashmalan. No, we might have thought that by soita. Well, the problem in soita is the breakdown in the relationship between the husband and wife. That he has to warn her stop fooling around with that other man. So maybe if it's something that bothers him, I by the fact that they uh, lie in bed naked playing together that bothers him, maybe that's good enough for a warning that would make her now like a soita. So Kamash Malan, the Torah comes along and says, no, his concern has to be for actual adultery. But so, if, if he, uh, isn't that just good enough for, for him to warn her not to go into seclusion? Because he doesn't know what happens in seclusion. Yeah, but, mm, so, 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 but the, the concern, like he, his motivation for warning them has to be for, inter, for adultery. But how's he going to know? That? No, so he won't know. And if they do go into seclusion, you're right, she does become a sota. But what's his fear? If his fear is just that they touch each other, then that doesn't count as a... That won't make her into a sota. So is it just based on his fear? Yeah. Well, why is he warning her? Remember, um, a sota, the case has been the... There's been the breakdown in the... His fear is that they're going to have intercourse, but she might say, well... Oh, no, no, if that's his fear and he warns her because of that, yeah. then she becomes a sota. Whatever happens in seclusion, she becomes a sota, even if nothing happens. If they just walk into the room and stay there on opposite ends of the room... She, she can't argue that she didn't have 
Yeah. Yeah. Remember, when he takes her to the Sanhedrin, to the Beis Hamikdash, and they do the whole process, they're going to accuse. Say, did you commit adultery? They're going to want to know about adultery, not just were they in seclusion. And she's going to say, no, I wasn't intimate. And they're going to try pressurize her to admit, so that they don't have to give her the waters. Obviously, if she admits, then they have to get divorced. She's not allowed to be with them. But if she but refuses. Um, that if she uh, got into seclusion, what yeah, um, is it? It's probably grounds for divorce. I think the question could be: Is it enough to like cost her ksuba, or does it have to be more? Yeah. But yeah, we'll have to see those details when we get to that masechta more careful. But yeah, you're right, 100%. That it's so. So so so. What are we saying? In other words, um, when a man warns his wife against being a sota, firstly, what What's either he specifies why he's warning her, or we know what his motivation is. But if we know his motivation, or he says it, he says, I, I don't want you holding hands with that guy. Let's just be euphemous. I just don't want you to hold hands with him. That doesn't count as a warning if that's his only concern. We might have thought it does count as a warning because. Um, we might have thought it does count as a warning because that's causing the breakdown in the marriage, her affection with that other man. So maybe that's good enough to make her so to that she becomes also to her husband. So therefore the Torah comes along and says, no, as in the word, Shiv Chadzera, his concern has to be for more, for acts of um, intimacy. Again, it doesn't make a difference whether it's natural or unnatural or just her aura or think that's all considered adultery so if that's his concern that would all be a valid warning but specifically where his concern is for less than that something that would not be considered adultery and that's how and that's what we're going to go into i'll leave it for tomorrow but that's what we come on to here that's why it came up to the difference of what's the definition of her aura is the definition of her aura actual insertion the start of insertion the corona being inserted or is it just when the privates push together and again, if you hold, let's say, the, so the, the, the one that's, let's call it harder to commit adultery is insertion. If they would just put their limbs together, that's not adultery. And then you can work out, okay, so if a husband, then you would say, so if a husband warned his wife not to, that's what his fear. His fear wasn't for adultery, his fear there was that they were doing that. Then it's also, um, then, sorry, then she would not become a soita because it's not adultery, if that was all his fear was. But if his fear was that she was actually committing adultery, insertion, then then it would be a valid. Now, according to the other opinion, wait, let's just one second, one second. According to the opinion that it's just touching the limb, touching them, touching there, then if the husband's fear is that they're touching, his fear is for adultery, and that would be adultery. And therefore, when the Torah is coming to exclude a act of adultery can't be excluding that case because that case is actual adultery the nishika okay and we'll leave it there for today